0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: It is currently 6.49 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, January 9th, which means we are an hour and 11 minutes before the game uh, to be played between the Red Wings and the Ducks in Anaheim. On the heels of one of Detroit's worst performances of the year against LA year? last night. Decade? Century. <laughs> so everyone, you're welcome because we're gonna record a full episode on the night before a nine-nothing win wherein uh Cider scores three, Raymond scores two, Zadina scores three, and Adelkovich scores one, inevitably. <laughs>
0: we'll have to do another episode because i said if nadelkovich scored i would go post game
1: that's right yeah that was your rules you would only stay up really late
0: i'd be really upset if he scores because (laughs) i did not physically or mentally prepare for that
1: and you know our commitment to the bit we'll hold you to that brad and i will stay up and record that episode
0: with you feeling very confident that i will remain asleep
1: I mean, Nedeljkovic
2: is more likely to score a goal than at least one-third of the roster right now.
0: <laughs> also true.
1: Yeah, Nedeljkovic scoring at this point is more likely than the Zadina goal game. <laughs> this uh, this episode of the Wheel podcast comes after
0: a lot of us
1: stayed up really late to to watch that with a capital T. And so we'll do our best to not get too drenched down in it. which is why we're going to have a discussion outside of just –
0: um do you have pokemon cards over there
1: yeah i do (laughs) i do okay (laughs) they were uh they were kind of a nostalgic gift
0: those are probably worth a lot of money
1: yeah i don't know whether to open them or sell the boxes sealed i didn't buy them but they were bought for me as like my brother and i used to play with them obviously when we were little kids and i have those uh boxes now like sealed and stuff so i don't know what's worth anything i haven't
0: you know, someone listening will know exactly how much oh, those are worth.
1: I'm sure. Yeah, they're gonna. I'm gonna get a DM about it, and I look forward to that. Actually, that's that's my new do- default. If I don't know anything, I just go in the Patreon Discord or
0: yeah, screw Bitcoin, just get Pokemon cards these <laughs> days.
1: Brad, write that down. Write that down. <laughs> Anyhow, anyway, nah, I'm good. Uh, glad you both made it here. Some pretty fun uh, whiteout conditions. Have yeah, we, have we been snowed out? Yeah, we have been snowed out of the podcast before. Yeah.
0: I'm sure we have.
1: Back when it was at Brad's place and we had to go down those county roads.
0: Yeah. The horse is out plowing the, the one lane road. Oh, God.
2: Uh, and so, which always made me laugh because there was a faster way for you to get there. You just never took it and it was right
1: down the highway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I was a little stubborn. <laughs>
0: That's not part of the experience.
1: No. Anyhow, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, folks. here to talk about uh, Red Wings hockey for better or worse. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Uh, On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll of course talk about the Red Wings uh, game against the LA Kings. As much as that's worth talking about. The game that was postponed and is being played probably by the time you've... uh, Will have been played by the time you're listening. Slash uh, is going to be played in about an hour's time from our recording uh, against the Anaheim Ducks. We're going to be checking in on the Calder race. I think it's a good time to take a pulse on that and see where things are at. Now that uh, the cards are on the table... And we have some NHL news, including uh, the Evander Kane saga continuing, the Arizona saga continuing, uh, Mark Bergevin's story continues. Just a lot of things continuing, more or less. And then none of it good. No. Well, if I'm Mark Bergevin, I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the
2: guy who drafted Logan Mayu and uh, and tried to sign Slava Yeah, you know, we only wish
1: good things for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll jump into overtime uh, at the end of it. Before that, uh, I want to mention our Wings Money on the Board campaign and benefit of the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, go to wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog uh, and check out the post, Wings Money on the Board, how you can pledge to games uh, or make pledges to the Jamie Daniels Foundation based on results from Red Wings games or the entire season. It can be everything creative from uh, $100 for every Nedeljkovic shot attempt to, to uh 25 cents for a more insider hit or five bucks for every raymond goal as much or as little as you want and you can be as creative as you'd like about it uh lots of fun giveaways associated with the campaign as well so wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog and that is in support of the jamie daniels foundation okay um brad one of my biggest pet peeves from a while ago is when we would have a topic to talk about and it was very obviously a cut and dry thing and i would say all right let's talk about topic x and brad goes topic x this is good this is bad done and i'm like well there goes 15 minutes of good content i understand that today because i don't know i don't want to talk more about the red wings and the kings like that was it's one game one game does not a season make one game doesn't define the entire you know, forward group, defense group, coach, goalie, whatever. But, man, yes, it was made worse by the fact that we had to stay up until 1030 to we even get to puck drop, but that was a rough effort. That was bad.
2: I literally went to bed an hour before the game started <laughs> and then just sat in bed watching TV till the game started and then turned the game on. It was bad. Um, I guess we'll start with the positive very brief discussion but it's worth mentioning uh alex and yep phenomenal mm-hmm. um deserves a never came dinner. close to winning that game but he was phenomenal no no <laughs> i there's not a goalie
1: in the league who could have stolen that game
2: no absolutely not uh he he tried his best uh la only got Three on him, one with an empty netter. Uh, that feels like a minor miracle. It was probably the most impressive, what, 927 save percentage I've ever seen in a game.
1: Was that it? How much
2: it was? It was about that, yeah. Oh. Um, imagine giving up three goals and still getting a 927 or whatever it was. Everything else, though. Literally. Every, uh, Cider had a nice
1: rush. I am not. Yeah, it was 927, exactly. I am not kidding. That Cider deke at the end. Was the highlight of the night for the Red Wings
2: Yep And it led, didn't even lead to a scoring chance In typical Red Wings fashion My favorite part about that, and I was going to tweet it out But I'm like, no, I've had, we've had too much negativity When you tweeted the clip I didn't see it till the next morning, but I was like Huh, he did all that And he was in the zone by himself <laughs> Aww, For a good chunk of time And then when he did move the puck Had no options So it's like, yeah, you know It seems about right
1: so the Red Wings were meant to have a game on Thursday night against Anaheim that got postponed to obviously an hour from now. Um and so the LA was the first game of their West Coast uh road trip here. So LA was on Saturday night as we've mentioned and yeah, it ended up being a four-nothing game. One of them was an empty netter. It was the shots were officially by the time it was all counted at the end of the first period on goal 27 to 2 in favor of the uh in favor of the Kings. 27 to two max said it well la had that game won within 20 minutes
2: it didn't even feel like that long.
1: no the worst part is it was three nothing and two nothing for an extended period of time it wasn't an insurmountable lead but there was not a single breath of life in my mind that looked threatening at all from the red wings it it that has to worst performance of the year you could argue of the
2: decade, and I'm not even saying that to be like sarcastic or facetious. Like, there's you could make a case that's the worst game the Red Wings have played in the history of this podcast, at least.
1: That game fit into this season, like the not last season, the season prior, right? Where the it was 1920, you know, yeah. damn near record setting in bad ways, Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. It's like someone went and tra- like traveled back in time and grabbed a game from that calendar and put it in this year. It was uninspired, would be a generous way to say it.
2: Yeah, the only scoring chance I remember was um, when the Kings gifted Suter the shorthand of breakaway.
1: When you're like, oh, maybe Suter will score another shorty. And
2: uh, nope. Nope. Good effort. Good save. Yeah. Cal Peterson's great, eh? Yeah, he's, he's all right. Having a rough year, but he's good. It was a good save. Then they did. I don't think the Red Wings had a scoring chance the rest of the game. And I'm actually not even certain that, that that is also
1: a joke. There was a point on a power play where they showed the new... More or less the new power play formation. Max wrote about it. Um, they pulled uh Raymond back to the left the left flank, which I thought was good. It was like one of the options where I was like, let's move Raymond off the bumper and either put him on the right half wall or the left flank. And they had gained possession and they cycled well in the zone and it actually worked. Like it it did work. I was like, that's good. I was like, keep that up. And the rest of that power play was terrible. <laughs> oh,
2: I thought you were going to the to the joke of that. Because there was one Time that whole game again, I fell asleep at second intermission because uh, that third period was not worth staying up for and I had to work this morning where so unless they did something in the third period that I missed, which reading all the recaps and I didn't um, they were able to tee Raymond up once where they cycled it successfully and created the space for him and created the lane and got the puck to him. Raymond caught all of it, put it maybe six, seven inches over the net, ringed it off the glass um created some pressure for the Red Wings defense on the right side where the puck ended up uh which directly led to an LA goal. So that about sums up the night where the one good thing they did on the play on the power play the whole night ended up in their own net. So yeah, like I I think it was even last episode was the shining example where we were talking about yeah, the Red Wings defense is bad, but even when they're competent, their offense is so inept that the defense has to just work overtime and they are asked to do way too much because the Red Wings cannot sustain any offensive zone pressure. Well, last night was the perfect example of that happening to the extreme and the defense
1: also being catastrophically bad. It was um, it was a display that leads into a conversation that I think it's worth having here. 12-5-2 is the Red Wings record at home. Four, eleven, and one is a record on the road. That is nearly a direct inverse. There's obviously the benefit of having last change at home. You have your home crowd, you have your home arena, your home amenities, you don't have to travel as far, et cetera, et cetera. You're not as worn. That's a benefit at home. But to the tune of eight an eight-win difference, this is something where, yeah in a developing year in a year where you're not challenging for the cup, it's not the end of the world, but it's something that the Red Wings have to get in order because you can't, you can't be a competitive team and you can't keep developing if that many of your road games are just complete wash. So this highlights
2: two things that I think most of us have known to be true for a while. The first one, I think everybody can agree on this team is propped up by five players. Yeah. And at home, you can deploy those five players how would you like and how you would like in optimal situations and they will succeed. And you look at most of the Red Wings wins this year, it has been on the backs of those five players. On the road, Dylan Larkin's going to see a full night of Philippe Dano. Mo is going to get the other team's top offensive unit. Like, they are not going to have favorable matchups and they they don't do poorly in these matchups. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a knock on on Cider, Raymond Larkin, et cetera, saying, Hey, yeah, they need to step up. No, they've done well themselves mm-hmm. in that matchup. But what happens is the other three lines also get the matchups, the opposing coach wants, which usually results in them getting absolutely caved tonight being last night, being the most extreme example of that. So when you have, a rebuilding roster and pretty terrible depth that's going to happen on the road and that's not shocking and then the other word less people will agree but i think we all are very critical of jeff bashell systems and a lot of what he does and that also gets highlighted when he's on the road because some coaches can coach their way out of these deficiencies to at least kind of what barrett trotz has done in the islanders to the other end where he knows what his team's weaknesses are and he can deploy a system to hide them very successfully. Blasho can't. And he's had six, seven years of the same problems. Um, this year, again, being the most extreme example. So I'm sure there's some outside factors that attribute to that as well. So it's not entirely on him, but when the special teams aren't working on either end of the puck, when the defensive system isn't working, when the offensive st- system is a negative value, when the transition game doesn't happen, It just gets amplified when the matchups are that much worse. So, you know, again, this isn't surprising. It's just getting worse as the season goes on, where we talked about this six weeks ago. Yeah, we're pretty sure this team's still really, really bad, but those five players are able to win them games because, unlike previous years, the Red Wings have elite talent playing at an elite level. But this is the reality of where they're at. They're not all that different from the last two years. Yeah, some of the dead weight's gone and that helps. But it's not like they were replaced by superstars. They were replaced by, were replaced by younger competent
1: bums. So
2: it, it's, it's almost exactly what we expected, just not this
1: bad this fast. The, the biggest thing for me is I almost forgot during the rebuild how big of a difference one single star player can make for your team. Mm-hmm. And you, you're right, Brad. It is five. Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond, Sider, Nedeljkovic. Those – and not to say, you know, Fabry or Nemesnikov or Suter. Like, I, I think there's a lot of guys in the Red Wings' depth who have their nights or even have had quietly very good campaigns. I think Nemesnikov and and Suter and Fabry at times are are good examples of that. But in all reality, if those five, if the majority of those fives that you, that you name, Brad, are off, the, the Red Wings are losing that night. The Red Wings went without star players for so long that I almost in my mind minimized – the impact that a star player could have. But, you know, two or three of those guys have an on night and uh, all of a sudden the Red Wings are stealing games wherein all together they didn't look good, but they won 5-4 or something like that.
2: Yeah, because Larkin had 2-2, two two, Raymond had 1-2, and, and Bertuzzi had like 3-0. Oh. Like that's – look at all the Red Wings wins. There's stat lines like that in a majority of them. And that's fine. You need those players. Like we said, we're not saying this is necessarily a, a bad thing. Mm-hmm. The only thing where it could be a bad thing long-term, but I think Eisenman's smarter than that, is they do mask bigger deficiencies on this team because it skews the record. Which, again, is good. It's a positive. I would much rather have good players be good and maybe hide some things that need to be fixed than not have the good players. Totally, totally the end of this you want to be on. But you still hope that the deficiencies get addressed. Because the best way that I can describe this is on the Fords at least – Every Red Wings forward, not on the top line, is playing a line above where they would play on a good team. The are second line is probably a third line on a cup contender. The yeah, yeah, yeah. The third line is a fourth line. The yeah. fourth line is, you know, the healthy scratches. Like, that's just where this team should be. So, when you don't get the matchups, it just gets
1: amplified that much more. Okay. Agree or disagree? Yes, Jeff Blashill has been handcuffed by having no depth, really, of... No depth that's worth like game planning against in a hard way outside of like top pairing, top line, and you can't game plan against a goalie. Shoot, good, score. Know his weaknesses, whatever. Um, and so that's why the road games are rougher for the Red Wings. It's like you said, Brad, highlighting the weaknesses on the team. All that considered, last night's uninspired play is on the coaching staff just as much as the Red Wings. They can't come out looking as flat and bad as they did last night.
2: In a vacuum, I would say not entirely, because the, the players themselves look pretty damn unmotivated, so that's on everyone. That's that LA fever, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but this is coming – they're four games deep after the COVID break now, and three of the games, they've been atrocious, and that fourth game, they had a convincing win against an, a basically an AHL team.
1: So – I was trying to think of how dare you disparage the good name of that defenseman on San Jose, and I actually can't remember his name. It was so ridiculous. Exactly. I'm sure he's a great player. Has yeah. a future. He made the NHL. Good for
2: you. Yeah. But uh, that stretch, that's on the coaches. Like you, you can't have three stinkers in four games and expect to tread water in the playoff race. Especially considering right now, from a COVID protocol and an injury standpoint, right now. The Red Wings are in a better spot than damn near two thirds of the league. They're good, especially the teams they're playing. <laughs> a lot of their players so, are probably good for a while. Like the only one that they really haven't had since they came back is Rana, and they haven't had him all year. So you can't, if you're comparing October Detroit to January Detroit, it's still a fair comparison. And October Detroit would beat the ever living piss out of January Detroit oh, right now. So yeah, it's it is what it is. So the fact that it's happening a little too consistently right now, that. Puts it on coaching.
1: Much like we always, we've said a lot, Lucas Raymond is going to go through a slump at some point because it's hard to come into the NHL and have 82 productive games for anybody, let alone a rookie. We said, more at cider at points this season, whether we like it or not, is going to look not at his best. It's hard. It's a grind. You know, Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi aren't going to be shooting lights out all year for every game consistently. The same can be said. For coaches. I, I think that same kind of leeway should be extended, but you do want to see them be the driving factor to the pull to pull the team out of this. And then, you know, there's the obvious question. Well, how do they do that? I don't know. We're not. We're sitting on a podcast that are the coaches. Yeah, exactly. There
2: there's some very obvious examples that Blashell doesn't do. Um, that I think, you know, one of your top defenseman for minutes consistently night in night out is danny de kaiser and i'm not sure he's a top pairing ahl defenseman at this point who else
1: though on that left side
2: literally anybody like i'm not saying that to be funny or mean literally anybody that's new (laughs) anybody else (laughs) you evan Pull oh
0: God. My, I, my lungs kid, just that,
2: collapsed thinking about that. I
0: was cross-country skiing for two hours yesterday. I could barely get out of bed. <laughs> that kid that
2: was getting the cheers on the Jumbotron in the San Jose game, any of them. like He shoots right, unfortunately. F- fine. I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> if they want to put Hronick or Lindstrom on the left side to hide the sure, you can put Mark Stahl there. It's an improvement. You can put Jordan Osterly there. It's an improvement. You can put Nick Letty there. It's an improvement. I don't care. Again, DeKaiser legitimately is one of my favorite Red Wings because he's been around forever. He's a good guy and he was good once upon a time. There's no reason to not like Danny DeKaiser, but he is so far over the hill. I can't even make a coherent case why he should be in the NHL at this point, let alone playing key minutes. And again, I, for all the reasons I just said, I hate saying that because I want DeKaiser to succeed. I like Danny DeKaiser. It's, it's done. It's over. It's, and it has been for a while. And the fact that Blashell doesn't see that yet. Is a problem. Like, I understand having vet preferences and you have your guys. I get it. But you can't. And, you know, I think, who is it? Osterley was a healthy scratch last night. Like, a week or two ago, I was saying, hey, this guy actually looks pretty good. He's starting to come around. And then...
0: The old kiss of death.
2: Yep. <laughs> Way to go, Brad. After two periods of play, your team is generating no offense. Maybe play Zadina more than five minutes. Again, I'm not saying Zadina's is a solution. But in a game that is very clearly a lost cause... He gets a garbage goal late, kickstarts his confidence. At least something com- positive comes out of that game.
1: Like, You want to know what Brad missed last night when he was in bed, Evan?
2: Did, did Dina get robbed on a point blank
1: chance? No, no. Oh, because that worse. would have been on brand. Even worse. Let's see how red, uh, Brad's face turns when I tell him this. Um, a Red Wings player got first line minutes late in the game yesterday. Hold on. Uh, I got to go as ridiculous as I can possibly think. Who's a
2: black hole for offense right now? Adam Ernie. Of course. Carter Was he even playing? Uh, He was not Carter Giovanni Smith. Sam Gagne.
0: You're literally shooting around the target right now. I, like I'm just
2: right. Whatever bottom six forward comes to mind. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, keep going. Oh, I know. Who am I forgetting? <laughs> Who am I forgetting? I'm definitely, I know I'm forgetting lots.
0: Go think younger, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're thinking of the same person.
2: Rasmussen has been playing top six. So I can't, he's not that big of a stretch. Well, okay, well, way to take the wind out of this one. He's been playing top six since the break. That was the first person I thought of. That's not not who you're talking about. No, but... Like, again, it's bad. (laughs) Like, you're... The point you were trying to make, Stan. Maybe
0: Michael Rasmussen is a first line player, and this is what we've missed the whole time. That was a piece of the puzzle. Listen, (laughs) I'm coming
2: around on Michael Rasmussen as maybe being a third line winger. Let's not get carried away now, okay?
0: Oh,
1: way to flip the scripts on us, Brad. Can you give us a memo before we record? (laughs) Maybe (laughs) now,
0: Evan and I are the assholes. I think that's funny.
1: Uh, No, and it's like I don't think Blashill was sticking Rasmussen there. Like, oh, maybe he's a first line winger. I think it was just like this game's kaput. Let's just do anything else. But I did have the same thought not that Zadina has necessarily earned it so to speak no he's he's coming off one of his worst stretches of hockey of the year and his
2: of his career of and his inability to finish is borderline inexcusable at this point don't get me wrong but holy shit he's one of the most talented players on your team and this game is a
1: goddamn write off this is your time to get weird this is your time to try shit you know what I will respect about it, though, is Blashill said, "Does not matter how bad we were, we we've been this game. It still is three nothing, and not like five nothing." And so I'm going to try to get in any garbage goal, so I can appreciate
2: like trying to not not force feeding Zadina just to get him going. I I understand that. Yeah, but Rasmussen's not the right answer though. So I can agree with the mindset and still say the execution was effing stupid. if we see a lot more if you want to play michael rasmussen a little more to protect a one or a two goal lead i still disagree with it but at least i can understand that rationale because his defensive metrics are at least half decent uh he's not getting you offense when you're trailing by
1: three if the red wings are gonna like moving forward now this was a bad game that's the the tagline for all of this um Moving forward, if the Red Wings continue to regress to the mean and we see an average of between October Red Wings and current Red Wings, like somewhere in the middle, and they lose one or two goal games more often, and that's how they end up in like that top 10 pick territory, that falls in line more or less with expectations for the season. Like that's an okay way, all things considered with this year for the Red Wings to kind of bump out of the playoff race in all seriousness. The losses like the loss last night. The loss is like the loss against Boston. That's the kind of thing where don't, you know, sound the alarms and blow everything up and fire this person and bench this person and trade this person. That's not what I'm saying. But just as a team, this is the kind of grind you have to go through as you figure out who you are coming out of a rebuild, what success looks like for you, what's your identity? You have to shake those kind of losses and find ways to make games closer. It's you're gonna we are gonna see more losses like that for the Red Wings this year. You know, it's not all Siders and Raymonds coming out of a rebuild. It's not easy the entire time. Look at any team who's done this. It's not unique, but this is something that they have to work through from a coaching level and from a playing level.
0: Well, it's probably going to come looking at your laptop at the end of the month when they've got Pittsburgh and Toronto in back-to-backs. Yeah. So, that's probably where it's going to happen.
1: Or they, or they win both. Or they win both, and then they lose to Anaheim on the Monday after. Yeah. <laughs> that feels a little more on brand. So we'll see um congrats to everyone all of us who stayed up and watched that entire game and condolences i i have no nostalgia for when the red wings were in the western conference at all i did not miss staying up that late for a game no i mean i am happy for our west coast listeners i know there's a lot of them who are appreciative when games are out there why is it 10:30 eastern start and not 10 because that would be seven pacific right
0: why isn't even it not even earlier than that well, especially since it's an east coast team
1: they need to get give people time to like go home from work have dinner go to the game etc on a saturday yeah yeah that's a good point yeah that's a good point anyways i'm now being a, an old person by complaining there's
0: probably some very good reason that i just overlook every time yeah
1: and we're gonna get told about it and it'll be a fun uh, fact for next episode hey you had a fun fact that you learned from uh, mike comito's twitter today
0: yeah, I should probably pull it up, but it was not prepared for you to just spring this upon me. Hey, but... why
1: don't I come back to it later after you pull it up?
0: Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll do that.
1: Um, let's jump into the next topic here, uh, but before I do that, I do want to let you know that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They're simple to use, they're tons of fun, uh, with a lot of unique bet types, like same-game parlays, and exclusive promotions on the biggest events, and when you win, you get your win Back safely in as uh, little as 24 hours. There's a range of options like player props, futures, etc. It's easy to place your bet fast during a game uh, if you see a trend you like, and there's unique features like multi game parlays and same game parlays. Now, listen to this FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk free up to $1,000. Place a bet on any game and they'll refund you a grand back and site credit uh, if you don't win. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get that $1,000 credit. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call one 4700 in Colorado, one eight hundred bets off in Iowa, one eight hundred nine with it in Indiana, one eight hundred gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Tennessee Redline one 800 gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred two seven zero seven one one seven in Michigan.
0: I got it. You got it. I got it. Alright. Um so at Mike Comito, he does the History. this day in hockey or whatever.
1: Friend of the podcast.
0: Yep. So uh he said on this day in nineteen eighteen, the NHL did away with the rule that prevented goalies from dropping down to the ice to make a save. <laughs> Previously in the National Hockey Association, they had gone as far as finding goaltenders two dollars for sprawling to the ice Oof. from a standing position. And um so this kind of led to the phrase standing on your head because apparently that was within the rules and would not f- go against the dropping down who to make a save who knew wow Sta- going
1: down and make a save what's next they're gonna allow forward passes this game isn't the hockey i grew up with
0: hefty fines back in the day oh
1: man two bucks two whole dollars what would ned do poor guy we'll start a uh go fund me for him he'll just outscore his problems <laughs> two bucks for every time he goes down for a save but three bucks for every goal go for it ned probably easier to score as a goalie back in the day
0: do you think a goalie from this day and age if they were transported back to the 1918s would ever give up a goal the
1: greatest goalie of all time 30 games into their career
0: i don't i cannot imagine I even mean, if they i
2: don't even see- think you need to go back that far i'm like of the mindset that you take Darren Helm as he is today and drop him into the 80s, and he's winning, he's, he's winning challenging Gretzky. Gretzky's scoring titles because nobody would be able to touch him.
0: <laughs> Nadalovich can't go down; he has to stand up and abide by the rules. Oh, oh, they have to be stand-up goalies. Yeah, no. Oh, no, he's
2: no. probably still never allowing a goal because he's a freak physical athlete. Meanwhile, these guys are probably
1: hacking darts between saves. <laughs> like, yeah, so gave him their strength. <laughs> Sergei Zubov would smoke between periods. He's a Hall of Famer, so yeah um okay speaking of awards the calder trophy previous conversations had raymond in the firm lead um trevor zegris was just starting to warm up and cider was in somewhere behind raymond now the picture is a lot of the conversations are cider versus egress and raymond where are you guys at with those three who i i, I think we all have a consensus those are the fide top three candidates right now i know bunting i know there's other guys Dawson Mercer's yeah. having
0: a good year Anton Liddell is actually sneaky good right now too For Florida
1: There's It's a really good
2: rookie crowd Ryan once again I will not stand for this Tanner Genoa racer <laughs> <laughs> But
1: I guess I'll let you take it What are your top three and who in your mind Is is leading this conversation right now I mean it's To
2: the general voters The least sexy of the picks But most Sider
1: I, that's the least sexy? He's a defenseman. I think that's what makes – the fact that you can even say that and not be like absolutely destroyed for it makes it sexy. Love it. I'm just biased. There we go. But um,
2: Zegers and Raymond have both had extended cold streaks uh, throughout this year. And quite honestly, Cider hasn't. And Sider, uh Zegers has had the benefit of playing with great players in Anaheim on his line. Well, as good as you can get in Anaheim. Uh, Raymond's had the benefit of playing with Larkin and Bertuzzi. Sider has been the most consistent, has put up the counting stats for a defenseman, and has been doing it while spending a majority of the season with Danny Goddamn DeKaiser. What Mo Sider has done this season is by far the most impressive at this point. Now, if Raymond and Zegers both finish on heaters and and wrap up the rest of the year close to a point per game, this is probably a, uh, a different conversation. But you know they're teenage rookies; that's probably not going to happen. Um. Yeah i I think the counting stats are there for Raymond and Zegers, but I think everything factored in, Sider
1: is the guy right now.
2: Uh, voters won't swing that way because he's a defenseman. It's how it works.
1: Max and I actually talked with Dmitri Filipovich about this on the Hockey Cast, and and I' going to borrow a lot of that conversation today because I we a <laughs> the LA game didn't give us a lot of talk, a lot to talk about, so that's when we like to sneak in these these good conversations um but be it's worth diving into yeah Brad I you know you guys know me I was firmly in the Raymond camp to start the season and I might venture back in there but forcing ourselves to pick one it's got to be Cider for the reason of the degree of difficulty like it is not easy to come in and be a good defenseman in the NHL off the bat period does not matter if you're playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning or the san jose barracudas like it is absolutely terribly hard to come into the nhl and be good relative to the rest of the players on the ice in the nhl right off the bat it's harder to do that when you're not playing in a sheltered role what does an unsheltered role look like playing against the team's top competition with danny de kaiser and your line mate is danny de (laughs) kaiser it makes a difference and like This isn't a Danny DeKaiser is the root of all problems conversation. No, 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 not at all. It is highlighting – no, stop. (laughs) It is highlighting how good Cider has been. It's not that he's received no help. Yeah, having a forward group who can move the puck up the ice. Cider might not have been able to do this two years ago because Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond didn't exist as a line. And so the whole ice is tilted back in towards his own. But still, he's doing this. have no stats to back this up, but I feel like Cider plays more with
2: the different pairings, uh, with the different lines, and Heronik gets a lot of the time with the Larkin line. I would have to look I could that. be wrong, but I just, it's... I'd have to look that up, but for yeah. 22
1: and a half minutes a night, that's not all with Larkin
2: and Petruzzi right now. No, God, no. Not even close.
1: Um, this is something Dimitri brought up. Remember that, that game against Colorado where Detroit got absolutely blown out? I think it was 7-2 by the end of it. Yeah. Um, the five-on-five five goals were 6-2 that game insider's plus minus was plus two <clears throat> five on five you, obviously five on five for plus minus it's he is doing this at a pro level as if he's been in the league for years he is doing this when everything would have been like not really anything is in his favor with the way the nhl the way nhl rookies come in in their their typical trajectory He's doing all the little things right, he's doing all the big things right, he's dominating physically. He's showing an offensive acuity that we didn't know was there when he was drafted. When he was picked at 6th, when he was picked 6th overall, we didn't know that was in him. And he's playing a defensive game right now that we only could have dreamed he would reach by year 3 or 4. And he's doing this even when the Red Wings are bad right now. Through this stretch of more or less rough hockey, Cider Most Nights is one of the only shining spots on the team. Raymond, I think, still has been fantastic, phenomenal, and might force voters' hands by the end. And he's done a lot of really great things. I think forwards have an easier time than rook, uh, than uh, defense in uh, the NHL's rookies. And I think, yeah, Sider's degree of difficulty has been more, and he's the the front runner for me. I
0: was trying to look up Kale McCarr's total points in his Calder winning year, but I did not have the time to do that. I can look it up for you while you go. But I feel like Sider must be relatively in the same realm in terms of pace for points.
1: 50 points in 57 games.
0: Oh, no, definitely not. Did he do that in his rookie year? Yep holy shit! that was a lot more than i thought it was oh my god isn't
1: makar at like 15 goals already this year something insane like that 15 goals 15 assists 30 points in 27 games for Kale makar jesus christ
0: yeah Mm. well that sort of talks myself out of (laughs) (laughs) moritz cider okay but but comparing his
1: his game to kill makar they're completely different yeah
0: yeah. i mean yeah for moritz cider he's playing like second most minutes on the team which is ridiculous especially considering he's on a not good team
2: and he should probably be playing
0: the most yeah yeah (laughs) i think only probably heronic probably plays more than
1: him heronic by very little
0: yeah um yeah so like i totally would see why more is very deserving of the calder um lucas raymond is probably the best player on this team right now um and there were a lot of conversations at the start of the year. Will even be on the team, which is crazy at this point. Um, already has a hat trick. He's at a four point game. Like I think he does. He might still lead all rookies in scoring.
1: He does. Yeah, by four points over Trevor Egress.
0: Points or goals? Uh, both.
1: Uh, no, he's he's behind Janot by one goal in in scoring. He's ten okay. to Jano's eleven. Though. Yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, the counting stats are definitely there for, for, uh, Lucas Raymond as well, but, um, um, Trevor Zegers' end of the year, like November, December was just bonkers. Like if he had been like that at the start of the year, I, I don't even think we'd be really, you know, itching or, or contemplating a Red Wings winning, a Red Wings player winning it. Um,
1: his November, December was Lucas Raymond's October, November.
0: Yeah, and it, it's all going to really come down to who continues the form of yeah. of being a superstar, I think. Um, Which is tough to do over a full season. So, if I was picking for at the end of the season or instead of right now, I like Anaheim's position to continue putting up points. So, I would say Trevor Zegras at the end of the year will win the Calder. If I had to pick right now... For who I think it it should be, it should be more insider, but who I think they would actually vote would be Lucas Raymond. So really, <laughs> I solved nothing with that. <laughs> Wide open. Yeah.
2: Uh, Evan, which of these three do you like the best? Yes. <laughs>
0: Pretty much. I mean, it's not a, it, it, this year's the one where it's as close as it's been in a long time. Like last year, it was Kapiro Kaprizov. People tried to make it Jason Robertson. It's like, oh, this guy's been popping off for a month. It's like, well, okay, Kapiro. Caprizov has played the entire season. Yeah. And he's 40.
1: Evan Evan could be uh held in like metal um metal chains like James Bond villain style like on a cold table with a laser coming up from between his legs and the villain says Evan you have to make a definitive choice or this thing slices you in half from the bottom up. I just between did. these three. And Evan would say what he just said and the the villain would have to turn the laser off but he'd be pissed about he'd be annoyed about it. <laughs> you <laughs> You're not wrong. Let me tell you, you're not wrong. I, I agree. I think the voters, like there's gonna be a lot of split votes. It was just funny because I was like, oh my God, Evan's making a definitive choice here. Oh no, never mind. There it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and who knows how the Toronto voters are gonna vote too, because they're gonna all vote for Michael Bunting. <laughs> and so that's gonna steal votes away probably from somebody in Detroit. Because oh. they also have an affinity towards Trevor Zegris. Okay, there's no discounting Trevor Zegers.
1: He is – that guy is electric. I think as much as we love Raymond Insider, Trevor Zegers deserves all the praises he gets as well. Um, that goal, the flip the, – the goal that Sonny Milano scored off of Zegers' flip over the net.
2: He tried it again today. Did he actually? Yesterday. Was did, it yesterday? Like, in, And there was a million posts of, Zegers almost did it again. And then you watch the hiding. It's like nobody was even – close to back he just chipped it over the, the net, net, and everyone like, went crazy
1: oh <laughs> you know i'm gonna go back and find every cl- clip of Datsuk doing it yeah like
2: it's, but it but it is worth noting because not that this is an insult but it's kind of an insult <laughs> i think <laughs> not to be mean or funny but i think most hockey fans are not aware of how Little national hockey writers pay attention to markets outside of what's in their direct vicinity. So the best teams and then the biggest markets. The best teams or the highlight plays. So the fact that Anaheim's a better team and Zegris has that signature moment that Raymond and Sider don't have. Sider kind of has his one against Buffalo, but that didn't get as much play as it probably should have. Um it's gonna work against raymond and cider because at the end of the year you're going to remember most cider season and what plays are you going to remember from most It's going to be like two like if unless your fault watching every red wings game so to people who have watched five or six red wings games all year and it was probably because they were focusing on the other team watching them they're not gonna have the affinity whereas the ducks are surprisingly good this year Zegras is a big reason for that and he has the signature play and like a lot of highlight replays, he'll get it and that's not even factoring in, you know, that the fact that those who are knowledgeable and who do follow Detroit and who do their actual legwork before voting, uh, Sider and Raymond are probably going to split their vote. So it's, I'm pretty convinced that Zegras will win it and then, you know, the other two will be the runners up, but I'm hoping one of them pops off enough that that doesn't happen.
0: Cider will need his Makar moment in terms of like a, just a ridiculous play that makes like league-wide news, which is stupid because every night he does something that like makes your draw hit the floor,
2: but not in a flashy way. He's just so subtly good. Like the clip that Ryan uh, tweeted from last night where he had the toe drag and then another toe drag. He doesn't do that that the
0: spinner and no look empty net pass to the middle of the ice that went tape to tape with somebody. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about Macar or Cider? Cider. Oh okay. That yeah, was
1: yeah. last night. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: That was last night.
1: Um Yeah it was. Yeah. He I think he does you I know what you guys are saying. He doesn't have a Makar moment every night. And that like those those deeks that he has, he does do I think he does do it more often than people think. But so often you just watch Sider's game, and it's because it's buried in a, a, a team playing otherwise bad hockey. He does do something most nights nice that makes my jaw drop. But we are watching eighty-two Red Wings games a year, so yeah. it's still a little different.
2: Yeah, like if I, I'm sure most of us watch
1: the morning highlights,
2: uh, whether it's in the states or Canada, the Red Wings don't get any attention this year. Like, and nor should they. They're a a team that plays a fairly boring style, and they're not that good. Like, I get it. I'm not begrudging the national media for not paying more attention to the Red Wings. Like, I cover this team and there's stretches of hockey where I barely want to watch this team. But it is it is what it is. But unfortunately, that is going to play against them because exposure, measures, exposure matters to voters because if they don't
1: watch you, they ain't voting for you. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a point I hadn't really considered a lot about. I was wondering where you're going with that. But yeah, the exposure will matter. And if you don't care about awards and you're like, hey… Uh, Henrik Zetterberg didn't win the Calder Trophy, and he had a better career than Barrett Jackman. That's who we lost to, right? Yeah, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. But we're petty, and we talk twice a week on a podcast, so we care. Um, anyhow, I think as hockey fans, we're privileged to have a race between those three players, and you know, there's guys who aren't too far behind. You don't know how the the next half plus a little bit of the season is going to play out. I hot, just hope.
2: Hot take: I don't think anybody outside of that three is all that close. Uh, they would have
1: to have a pretty phenomenal second half yeah. to, to get in.
2: Their their award would come from the second half.
1: <laughs> my voting, my very, very biased voting at this point would go Cider Raymond Zegris. My removing the bias from the conversation voting right now would go Cider Zegris Raymond. That's about as, as, as much as I'm willing to take off my rose-colored glasses.
2: Yeah, taking off my Red Wings colored glasses, the only answer I could come to is that uh, Saturn and Raymond tie for first and Zegers finishes third.
0: <laughs> I was looking up uh, – because Aaron Ekblad also won the Calder. Yeah. Um, the other finalists were Johnny Goudreau and Mark Stone. Um, Aaron, okay, Ekblad, Aaron Ekblad had 12 goals, 27 assists for 39 points in 82 games.
1: Wow. That's actually – like that's a that's a high scoring year for a rookie defenseman, but – He was also
2: first overall pick yeah. in his first NHL season. Yeah. Right after the draft. So a
1: lot of eyes on him. That's a great rookie – like all three of those He was players. also 18. Exactly. <laughs> Makes a difference. Makes a big difference. I'm, I was happy to see him come back well from his uh, leg injury. That sucked last year. Man. Oh, yeah. I like that Yeah. Uh, anyhow, we'll see how that shakes out. And as we get closer to the middle of the season, we'll be doing more, you know, midterm reviews and things like that. Um, very quickly before we move away from the Red Wings here, uh, big shout out to Daniela Bruce. Uh, she joined Ken Cal last night. Uh, for the first time in her career and for the first time uh in Red Wings history, um, a woman was on the call uh on 97-1, the ticket. That's where she uh called the game for the Red Wings. Congratulations to Daniela. Um, hope to hear you on plenty more calls soon. Um first woman for the red wings to call a game and it's daniela's does a phenomenal job has been on the podcast before we'll have her again in the future and just very very excited for her it's uh, Dope. i feel terrible for her that that was the game <laughs> i you were smirking brad and i was like yeah i know that was daniela's first game and daniela we're sorry that sucks oh
2: it's like um remember that game we were at uh, last season of the game where Buffalo absolutely shit kicked the Red Wings and they threw Caden Fulcher in mercifully in the third period. And we kind of looked at them and went, good for you. We're sorry what's about to happen to you. Yep. That was basically how that game went for Daniela last night.
1: We were at that game. Evan and I were at that Boston game that weekend where there was just like – We actually that weekend where we went to two games and where they played terrible hockey. It's they
0: had like one or two goals in two games. It was bad, yeah.
1: The same energy. So, uh, Danielle, here's hoping that your next one is going to be – better compared to that every game she does now is going to feel easy oh yeah trial by fire for sure um okay news from the uh, around the nhl um evander kane placed on uh unconditional waivers for the purpose of terminating his contract and he cleared waivers the nhlpa has indicated that they are going to file a grievance the san jose sharks essentially were able to in their opinion and i mean it processed through the league so it's going to be a fun battle to see. They were able to terminate his contract because Kane broke um, COVID protocols while he was with the uh, Barracuda and the AHL. So he traveled to Vancouver, apparently, while he was on um, while he was in COVID-19 protocols. So they were able to terminate his contract, forfeiting $22.8 million for the rest of his contract three years beyond this one. Which
0: I don't even know what to say. Like, how can you be so stupid? Oh. It, I, I I think I've said that every single time his name has come up with something stupid. They And this grievance isn't going to go anywhere because they've got date, times, they've got location, they've got all the evidence. Like, he is – they have the smoking gun. Like, how can you be so stupid to just throw it all away like that? Especially when you probably owe that much money. For your gambling debts, for your other stupid things you do,
1: it's bankruptcy. <laughs> I just—I stopped asking how could you, how could you be this stupid seven incidents ago. This is why when people ask, let's say they terminate Kane's contract and he's a free agent, you can bring him in on on minimum. Would you bring him in? I don't want that in the room. I get it. Like if if if, if let's say I, and I, we've done this, and if Eisenman take does a hypothetical, like Eisman's like person who's a gm who's about character and if he makes a calculation that the room and the team can build a situation where kane can thrive they can keep him in line blah blah blah. yeah i'm all behind it eisenman has earned that respect but outside of all that who's gonna bring kane in with all this like how many times has evan had to say how could you be so stupid
0: ryan reeves slept like a freaking baby (laughs) last night (laughs) man i'm thinking of all the teams in the nhl and, like, what team would really want to roll the dice and say, "Yes, we've got the locker room that could handle a complete imbecile"?
1: Colorado will take him for league minimum. Unstoppable. I
0: feel like bo- I feel like Tampa would maybe as well, but Florida and and that and Evander Kane probably do not mix well.
2: I've got two candidates. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two candidates. Mark Bergerman just signed as consultant in LA.
0: That is literally the second worst place for Evander Kane outside Las Vegas.
2: <laughs> and, okay, you want to send him nowhere? Here's my other one. Winnipeg? <laughs> Buff? Buff's not there. Tony D'Angelo's been good in Carolina this year. You know, say what you want about the person. He's been a good player. Maybe Carolina will see if lightning can strike twice. Here's
1: the thing. <laughs> if someone, If someone can, if a team can keep Evander Kane in check... They absolutely should do it. The guy is a good hockey player. Like him or not, he he's a productive hockey player. By all rights, the most distracted hockey player there in the league right now. But twenty-three million dollars, man, for their like, oh my god.
0: Yeah, it's one thing to get like caught up in your own personal debts outside and like you make stupid decisions outside of the game, but like you basically just like gave up your job because you're a dumbass. <laughs> it's like, like don't do this and you'll be okay. He did this and they're like, why?
1: Why did you do this? For $23 million, I would crab walk everywhere in public for five years.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't even think of something I would possibly not do for that. <laughs> well, I will save that for Patreon <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and outs of like the specific grievance and what the NHLPA might have. It's their responsibility as a players association, players union to do this. They're they're going to do it no matter how much you agree or it's gonna disagree. It's going to
0: be the quickest meeting of all time.
1: Unless there's a big, you know, kaboom here that we never know, um that we don't that we might not know about because these things are never released. NHL's a pretty mum market for that kind of fun information. I don't see San Jose not winning this and uh, yeah some someone's going to get Evander Kane on the cheap and they're going to have to take the risk of whether he's going to make it through the playoffs without messing this up.
0: I think the GMs who are thinking about it will ask their f- six or so captains of the team to see if they think they can insert a stick of dynamite into their locker room.
1: That's actually not a bad call. Like go talk to the leadership group in the room and say, Hey, we want to do this. Cause this
0: they all, like- all those players will talk to other players in the, in the, in the league. Right. And they'll know some more information that a GM wouldn't probably know through more social lines of communication. Yeah. So they might just be like, I heard from this guy. Cause I, you know, you're thinking about it, that this happens all the time and that might sway them away. I don't know. He'll. I feel like he'll end up somewhere and it'll just be another another chapter in the Evander Kane saga. Just keep
2: an eye on whichever team brings Dustin Bufflin out of retirement.
0: The first round matchup <laughs> against X team that has Evander Kane. Um,
1: in more positive news, the Arizona Coyotes don't have the votes that they need to approve their $1.7 billion arena complex in Tempe. Tempe, Tempe. I need to learn how to say that. So you doesn't matter. What are we even doing here? This uh, I,
2: I'm not going through the same rant I went on A few weeks ago about how it's absolutely stupid That they're trying to spend billions of dollars In a market that is just not working By whatever Analysis you want to use Yeah
0: <sighs> This has to be the final nail Right Yeah, if you What, don't did, get what a, do they do now they have nowhere to play next year Yeah I think if you don't have an arena You're basically toast Right? They're,
2: they're literally talking about Temporarily putting them in a 5000 seat arena Like, what are we even doing here?
0: If I'm another owner, I'm pissed because you're essentially funding that team's disaster and that team's money pit.
1: If I'm a potential owner, I am calling Gary Bettman every day to say, hey, look, I know you don't like moving teams, but this is beyond the threshold. This is beyond the threshold.
0: Well, the other owners are probably saying the same thing. They're like, we're just hemorrhaging money so that you can have your... Your moment where you're like, I made small market hockey a thing. It's like, why don't we just move them to a place that, you know, has the infrastructure, has the fan base. Like, it's just if you don't get the arena deal done, that's 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 the end of it.
1: I think it's the end of it. Even if they get the arena deal done, it's just going to fail there too. Fancy
0: new arena for all five thousand of you who showed up.
1: Yeah, you're like they're going to play in a five thousand person arena. I'm like, hey, those are pretty good attendance capacity like percentage. Numbers. That
0: would be like them playing in the Kitchener Odd, smaller. Yeah, small. the Kitchener Odd's eight thousand. <laughs> God, the that's oh. like pre-renovation auditorium.
2: And the Kitchener Rangers don't even have the biggest arena in the
0: OHL. Yeah, which is crazy. Oh.
1: I, a sick, the sick optimistic part of me that hates change and wants everyone to be happy and everything to work and not, you know, screw anything up wants this to work. I keep thinking like hockey is the greatest sport on earth and it's not about the locale. It's not about the temperature. It's not about whether the city's had hockey in the past. You just have to create the environment. And that's what the NHL and the Arizona Coyotes have failed at. They failed to create the environment. They needed to get on this arena deal five six years ago and that was part of your rant from a little while back
0: arenas back. only cost exponentially more every single year because building materials go up labor goes up like the arena they, they could have built five years ago probably would have cost half as much as what it does now
1: yeah this is slowly turning into a direct commentary in the housing market but yeah yeah pretty much I just want this ride to be over for the NHL. It makes the league look like a laughing stock. Like, I get that there are struggling franchises in every pro sports league, but it really does hurt the league's credibility when you have – this is something else. This isn't like, hey, this is an empty arena every night. Ha, 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 the Florida Panthers or something. This is, hey, the Arizona Coyotes literally do not have somewhere to play next year.
0: Don't other leagues basically just go like, okay, we're moving them? And the, or the owner is like, okay, I'm moving them here and everyone's like, okay? Isn't that how it sort of works? did like, not yeah. the NFL just do a whole bunch of moves?
2: Yeah, everybody went to LA. They have seven teams now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure St. Louis uh, – the St. Louis Rams, like crank, cranky, cranky. Stan Cronky, Owner of the abs, by the way. Uh, broke his agreement. Like broke – not the law. Like he didn't create a, uh, commit a federal crime, but broke the agreement. I'm pretty sure he has, has had to pay or there's some kind of lawsuit to move him out of St. Louis. And he said, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to make so much money in LA. <laughs> I'll pay whatever the fine ends up being. Like Fair enough. I inherently agree with Gary Bettman's want to make every market work.
0: In theory, Arizona should work, right? Like, there's a bunch of Canadians live there. It's a good climate. Like, in theory, it should work, but it just it just hasn't.
2: Yeah, It's only been 25 years. Not a big enough sample size yet. No, let's give it 10
1: more. Come on. Yeah. But the, the low-key, that's what people are saying, though, unironically. I know. I'm sure there'll be plenty to come on that. Um, I want to jump into overtime. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, Patreon or Overtime is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, uh, patreon.com slash Podcast, if you want to support the show uh, and help us do things like talk about the Calder race and yell at the TV um, about the LA Kings game way too late at night. No, I'm kidding. Uh, patrons have been an incredible, incredible support and we appreciate you all so, so very much uh evans tv that bangs asks do you think thomas hurdle could be the answer to the wings second line center needs even if they need to pay big like an eight million dollar uh year deal for seven years off the top of
2: my head i don't have the answer but you know what question i'm gonna ask
1: how old is he uh hurdles and Jose Sharks. he's not that old he is oh yeah never mind 28 i thought he's older yep, nope. than i thought i'm out who sorry thomas hurdle
0: Yeah, he is old, eh? 28.
1: I mean, that's not old, but we're talking over a seven year deal. He's going to to age out of that. That's surprising. Again, I I don't want to pretend anyone's been uncovered, but does that mean there, like, is there anyone else who you'd be willing to throw that money at this
2: offseason based on who's lining up? No, not really. Barkov was it. And so when he extended, it's, yeah, wait till the following offseason. That being said, Free agency is still a bad idea. How many times has that worked out for signing big money free agents? It's way more misses than hits.
0: It- Washington signed Ovechkin. That worked out all right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good bar to set, I think. Yeah. That's a good benchmark. Um, Cnods asks, do you think the streak mentality never really stopped So Holland looked for high floors instead of swinging for the fences like Stevie does. Relevant to drafting, Uh, example: drafting Lindstrom or Smith, Uh, both are NHLers and both will log games, but with second round picks, wouldn't you have liked to have seen higher ceilings? I think Holland always felt he needed to draft closer to NHL-ready players for the pressure of the streak and need for success. I really like Stevie's drafting; he's picking up projects and giving them time.
0: What was the question there?
1: Well, does did Ken Holland draft? More uh, high floor, low ceiling players because they were more NHL ready. In the interest of keeping the streak alive,
2: you have the correct answer for the
1: wrong reason.
2: Yes, that is how he is draft, how he drafted. Yes, we were critical of him for him, but I think that's just. The- Ken Holland is the least, or the what is it, the most risk averse GM in the NHL. Edmonton's on fire, and his thing is to stand pat. How many times in Detroit was it always wait and see, kicking the tires, wait and see, kicking the tires? He does not like risk. So his drafting philosophy followed suit with that. But um, sorry to wrap up that question, but breaking news, Red Wings just released some projected lines. What? Jeff Blashill has a mic in this room. Oh, no. Zadina's on the second line. Hey.
1: DeKaiser scratched. Yeah. Oh. Osterly with Cider? Yep. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love – I was literally going to say earlier, just stick Osterly with Cider. It's not going to be like this lights out pairing, but – that's fantastic. he's
0: truly are social media influencers, gentlemen. <laughs>
1: and Valeno. We didn't talk about Valeno's at center. Yeah. Yeah, he is. We need to spend some time talking about Valeno. It's just unfortunate because he hasn't exactly come in and light the world on fire, but also the Red Wings have been playing some pretty interesting hockey, to put it lightly. Um, but that's good. Valeno centering the fourth?
2: Yeah, with Giovanni uh, Smith and Sam Gagné. Got like – okay. I am so critical of Blasio, but like he damn near drew up my like ideal lineup. The only thing is he has Rasmussen at center with Nemesnikov on the wing. I'd probably flip that. Other than that, I can't really disagree with anything he did here. Yeah. I actually... This is the end times. So naturally, now that I'm happy with the lineup... Uh,
1: 12-1 loss. Oh, it's going to look terrible. Zadina's going to look bad. Lee's going to look yeah, bad. Yeah. Lee's like coughing up the game winner. Ras <laughs> is going to have his best game of his career at summer. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything that I
2: think good is going to happen, this game is absolutely 100% not going to happen.
1: My favorite part about this is people are listening after the game has been played. But yeah. We don't know yet, so they're just going to be they're like... They're
2: going to be like laughing. Wow, they were so right about how wrong they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um miss days says i'm certainly no hockey genius but i'm pretty sure benching a guy then putting him on the fourth line isn't going to pr- improve his confidence nor shooting percentage well i'm glad uh, brad just wrote out the lines because now he's back on the second line so we'll see how that goes oh yeah uh we're going to take some reddit questions here uh well paid scientist says still learning was Horonic particularly maybe worse than the team as a whole bad on saturday night or am i making an ignorant assumption poor ned like bernier and grice before him too much is asked I don't think uh, Hronik had a particularly good game. I don't think anyone on the Red Wings had a particularly good game. Was he worse than the rest of the team?
2: No. No, That that is literally one of those games where you just take all player assessments, everything, crumple it in a ball and throw it in the garbage. There is not a lot to take from that game when everybody is so bad. It's... Because even the guys... Who were kind of bad you don't know if they were bad because they were bad or because the guys around them were so bad it made them look bad like there's no way to know so you just throw the whole game out
1: it's one of those it's it's an outlier in statistics you remove the three worst and the three best whatever it's it's like olympic scoring for gymnastics or whatever like these kinds of games it just shit gets out of hand and you can't take it into account 72 athena says how do you think we're going to acquire that center that we need Trade, free agent signing, and now the least popular one, the draft. The draft. An additional question to that, is it going to be a 1C or a 2C? 2C. Because
2: unless you're getting right or, you know, for unless you're getting first overall, it's probably not a
1: 1C. Unless on like the fourth or sixth overall pick, you get one of the best players in the draft. And how often does that happen?
0: Rare. <laughs> Every other year.
1: Here's the thing. And it's this is going to bear repeating quite a bit. We are never going into a draft, ever going to go into a draft saying, yes, this player that the Red Wings took at fourth overall or sixth overall or whatever they take it, wherever they take that player, is going to definitely be the best player in the draft. Because if we can say that, then the teams will know that and that player will have gone first overall. So it always is the case that a player down the lineup can be one of the best players in the draft. So I'm not going to rule out a 1C, but unless the Red Wings win the lottery and finish low enough, I'm not going to bank on it being someone who's going to supplant Larkin at that first line center role. It's just...
0: If we had two Dylan Larkins, that'd be pretty good.
1: It'd be fantastic. How many times have we said that? We're gonna we're, we're beating a dead horse, but it's, it, it's true. It's incredibly true. Uh, let's take one or two... <laughs> this comment made me laugh. I don't even know there's I don't think there's a question here, it just made me laugh. From sheesh. Actually it's sheesh. Brad is the I loathe when Brad's funny. It is the worst thing in the day. <laughs>
2: but I was only funny to you, dude. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Brad is the Tom Wilson of podcasting. He beats you in by saying shit like, yeah, Leafs fans being low on perennial 20-goal score, William Nylander is basically the same as Wings fan being low on perennial single-digit score, Philip Zadina." And now you're thinking, how? He's closer to being Alex Nylander, except Alex Nylander has been more a more efficient scorer. I want to argue about this. Huge mistake. Brad's a force. He's unmovable. He's in your head. You don't even hate Zadina, and it's obvious Brad is just trying to punk everyone and even more obvious that it's working brad stays winning hashtag rent free
0: <laughs> gotta, gotta check that patreon email to see who that's a to <laughs> that's
1: i that's registered to either you brad or you evan and i can't figure well, out it's which one it be. is
2: <laughs> you that, think i have time to write out that big of a comment
1: i don't even think you can read fair uh i made a really mean short joke to you about uh the mug the winged wheel podcast mug
2: i had him and i need
1: you to know i had a lot of i know these comebacks and i'm like i know not going down that path and you down. and i have to say i deserved a, <laughs> i deserved a punch below the the belt which is another short joke i'm sorry i couldn't help myself and uh i'll expect it one day but you're a bigger man than i in on twitter we have a mug oh god <laughs> All right. That that picture actually was legitimately the first time I think I've seen one of our mugs. um, Last question here from Large, the prophet of the towering behemoths is, would you say this roster is built for the Blash Hill brand of hockey? Um fair enough i'm mostly i'm most definitely not no fan of our head coach the more i look at the red wings play and the slow transformation into a more creative roster i worry i'm starting to think the idea that blasho will do better with better players is something of a false narrative am i wrong to think there is a a difference in styles between the roster iserman is building and the philosophy of blasho
2: it is my literal single biggest concern right now and i i don't want to bring it up all the time because i know um, a couple seasons ago i was like probably unnecessarily harsh on Blashill going in on him all the time and and people got sick of it. But my opinions haven't wavered all that much since then. And nothing that he's done has changed my opinion all that much because, you know, October was great. But it looks like since he's really established his system midway through the season to all the new guys, most of them have regressed. So... It is a very real concern, yeah. Um, now, if if is your guy, you can always tweak the roster to maybe have the Red Wings look a little more like the Islanders because Blashell tries to coach like Barry Trotz. He's just not Barry Trotz. Um, and and there is a world where that roster could work. It is not the Red Wings. And uh, based on who they have in the pipeline, it is not going to be the Red Wings.
1: Um. If the Red Wings finish out the year like we've seen over the past couple of weeks with a lot of these bad losses where they look absolutely flat, that concern will be a lot more prevalent. On the flip side for me, I think Blasheel has done enough for this year where I don't think you're unfounded to have that concern, but I think we need to see it play out slash I'm still of the mind that it still doesn't quite matter.
2: Well, yeah, because if the Red Wings get back to looking more like the October Red Wings towards the end of the year, yeah, that alleviates uh, not all of the concern, but you know, a healthy amount. But it just feels like the more he gets his hands on certain players and and the team, it it never goes forward. (laughs) Like, the the talent jumped forward this year a little bit. And we saw that out of the gate, and it's right back to feeling like the last couple seasons again. And it has since, like, the beginning of December, if we're being honest.
1: You're not wrong. I just feel like there's – this feels more like a confluence of – Shitty events in terms of players being injured, missing because of COVID, the weird break. Mm, the Red and, Wings have been luckier there than the other teams. And then and then some bad hockey, granted. I, wanted, I, I, I can't convince myself to be – I don't think what Lars brought up is unfounded. And I don't think what you're saying is necessarily wrong. I do see a path forward for Blashill here, continuing this incremental success. I'm trying to think of this at a macro level and a micro level. And I think we're just in a valley right now. And let's see how long this valley lasts, or whether this is our true plateau, you know nearly a decade. <laughs> What's another ten year sample size? We're gonna wrap up uh we have to record the Patreon exclusive overtime and then watch this hockey game, which is gonna render this entire episode useless. Thank you to all of our name level sponsors uh, on Patreon. My good friend Arjun Shanker, Eve's Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagets, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry, driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan Hannah's Banana Slamma Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, B. Diz, Carl Brutana and Analuski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstem, DJ Denton, Evans TV, that bangs. Give Blood a Fight, Probert, Greach, Han Lee, Hassam Al kassem Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheesebags, Brad, I just saw your text, Zach Spring, Zarli Zalabsky, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie. After Tuesday, even the calendar says, well, WTF antonio gracias babe landiskog ben baron Connor Leighton, dave w eric sinkowski evans tub bubble vegetarian diet edition disgusting evans bingo card james laporte jeremy brocker john evans josh yelton kevin mccracken uh quaz matt keeler or logan stall matt keeler matt s max 1 million dollars Pippy long nipples pippi long nippies sorry Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pepavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. Enjoy this game.